Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Within this world, there is a lot of darkness. Because the sun is shining outside, it it may not feel that way, and, and sometimes we can look past the darkness a little bit, but oftentimes it becomes overwhelming. Some of you might be a little bit tired of me going on and on, as I sometimes do on Sunday mornings and when I preach. I I tell you about the bad things that are in the world. I tell you about that darkness that surrounds us day in and day out. And you're probably saying to yourself, please, Pastor, don't tell us, please. But I will, just a little bit. You have a lot of things going on now with LGBTQ, transgenderism, grooming children, human trafficking, abortion. I I mean, we can go on and on and on and on. And honestly, if you think that you're sick of it, I am beyond sick of it. It becomes very hard to breathe with these things surrounding us all the time. That having children, you think to yourself, what is the world going to be like for them? How are we going to keep the darkness at bay? How are we going to protect them? How are we going to teach them? How are they going to endure? How are we going to endure? How can we keep going when it just feels like we're being smothered by darkness? Yet we as Christians, we are strange folk, if you really think about it. We're strange in that when bad things happen to us, We do not despair. When the darkness surrounds us, we know where our light comes from. It's very interesting how God shows himself to his people. Anytime in scripture, especially in the Old Testament, in in, in Excuse me. In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, God has been hidden for the most part. He sent his word to people, like to Abraham. But in this moment where the people are being led out of bondage, of slavery, he makes this great appearance, but it's very strange. He makes this great appearance in a cloud. He still covers himself. He hides himself. When we look at that and we say, isn't that strange? Why wouldn't God just show himself completely to us? Just shine your light on us, Lord. We can take it. But the reality is that we can't. We cannot stand in God's pure presence and live. We are too sinful. 
So out of grace, he hides himself in darkness. And when he calls his servant Moses to speak to him, Moses goes into Excuse me. Moses goes into that darkness, and the people stand afar off, and they wait. This is paradoxical to us, just as people, because naturally we want God to show himself in the fullness of his light so that we would know who he is. But there's something interesting about that glory cloud. The further you get into it, the darker it gets. Because God wants us to hear his word. And he goes so far as to take that word and make it flesh in Jesus Christ. And that that word still speaks through darkness. That the darkest point in all of human that the darkest point through all of human history is the crucifixion. At least we would see it that way, right? This is a problem that the early church had. They didn't know how to convince the pagans that Jesus was truly a triumphant God if he died. It doesn't make sense to us as fallen man. But in the midst of darkness, God dwells and does his work. It was in the darkness of that cross that the full glory of God was shown in Jesus Christ. That when we look at the cross as fallen people, we see the height of humiliation. The very definition of failure. But thanks be to God that in his word, Jesus himself in John's gospel shows the cross as the height of its glory. That when the Son of Man is raised up, he will draw all to him. That in his cross, in his darkest time, in his darkest hour, he is glorified because of what he is doing. And for whom he is doing it. That he does not do this on his own account. But his will is one with his father's. He does not do this for his own glory. He does this for you. So that you. Surrounded in darkness. Can walk. Can live. Can see the brightness of God's face that's pierced and bloodied and battered and dead. We run a race of faith. We run through darkness, guided nothing, guided by, guided by nothing but the light of that cross, that on this day and whenever we gather as God's people, we ought to hear about 
that sacrifice, that atoning work that Christ has done for you, because he has walked through that darkness. And through that darkness, he calls you to come to him. We have an odd progress as Christians that the world would like for us all to get better, do better, find a progressive way of just making things work nicely. Everything just gets better and better and better. Progress, right? But we as Christians, we are taken through the darkness rather than from the darkness into God's light. We are never promised that the darkness would be taken from us, but that we would be taken through it. That he would guide us. That he would show us that way. And that way is to the cross and through the cross to death. But not so that it ends in death, but so that it ends in life. That that is why we gather, being the strange people that we are, (laughs) who don't worry about progress as much as those out in the world do, who don't worry about the darkness as much as those out in the world do, who don't worry about the things that would cause us to despair, because we have one who has conquered all of those things. His name is Jesus Christ. And he is your Lord, and he has conquered sin, death, and the power of the devil for you. So that you would die to yourself and live to God. That in the cross, we should see our life taking form. On our, journey from, on our journey from earth to heaven, we travel with Jesus on the way of the cross, and our lives become cruciform. He tells his, his people that whoever would desire to come after me must pick up his cross and follow me daily. And St. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. That we now live because of his death. What a glorious thing that is. That on this day, we are not sad for Jesus. We are sad for the consequences that he had to undertake because they're all our fault. That when we hear about him being flogged and whipped, beaten, pierced, mocked, spit upon, slapped, each one of those belongs to us. And in the cross, we see the fullness of God's law, the fullness of our sin played out, the penalty for which is also being paid for, free of charge, by our Lord and our God, the one who comes and takes the brunt of sin for you.
So we are not sad for Jesus. We are sad for ourselves that we are in this wretched state and that daily we must remember our baptisms and the cross that was placed upon us in our baptism, sealing us as the people of the cross, but knowing that our cross is lighter because of the cross of Christ. Knowing that this day is a day truly of joy. We may not be happy, but we are joyful. Those are two distinct things. We are joyful for a Savior who would come to us when we did not deserve it, who would die for us where we ought to die, pay the price that we should pay, dies the death that we should die. Because ultimately, what comes from that, what has to come from that, what is so blessed as a result of that death is life and life eternal. That he takes all that is ours onto himself and he gives us all that is his rightfully as God's son so that we could be called the sons of God as well. This is a joyous day, maybe subdued, but it is joyful. That in the cross, God takes away everything that we have to give us everything that he has in store for us. He brings us through the darkness of dying and death with Jesus Christ crucified to usher us completely into the light of his radiant face. And for this, we give him thanks and praise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.